Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, everyone. I'm Rod, the Internet's coworker, and I'm very excited for you to listen to my podcast, Millennial Made. Listen to me and my guests on your commute to work before you have to interact with your 23-year-old coworker or 16-year-old nephew as I translate the millennial experience, discuss internet culture, recap current events, and throw us back to our MySpace era with some nostalgia. Catch me right here on Dear Media or also on YouTube to watch as well. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. I recently left my successful career and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s, and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing, and I know you are too. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. Today, I have a special guest, DJ Amrit. You're a South Asian female DJ. Basically, you're a queen. Who are you? How did you get into DJing? So many questions. Welcome. Thank you. Honored to be here. And honestly, I need to start revising the way I do the intros to my show because that set a very high standard. (laughs) Loving it here. Well, I'm a DJ. I'm a creative entrepreneur. I host Love, Sex, Dating, Instagram Live called Unhinged. That happens every Tuesday. Yeah, I'm Indian. I grew up in Australia. My dad's Punjabi. My mom's a mixed bag, Gujarati Indian. Grew up in Singapore. Yeah, so many things. Little long disclaimer. <laughs> and now you're in LA. I am in LA, but I was in New York for 10 years. And I moved in the pandemic after a long-term relationship breakup. Okay. So I decided to start afresh. I eat, prayed, love in 2022. <laughs> I think we all did. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Usually we talk about dating in our podcast and we'll get to that, but I really want to know about your career and how you became a DJ, especially because we come from a conservative culture and 
I think I've heard of maybe one or two Indian DJs. I, I think what you're doing is so big. You're 33 years young. You've done so much. You've accomplished so much. Like, I just want to know how you got here. Like, tell me, you know, what did you study and how did you end up in New York? And how are you now one of the hottest DJs and you're a South Asian female making us all proud. Like, I want to know everything. Well, actually, a lot of what you just said is the reason for why I'm here. And I think I always kind of knew that I didn't really fit into the mold that was sort of projected from growing up, especially like, even though I didn't grow up with my dad's side of, I did, but my dad lived in Singapore. I grew up with my mom's side of the family in Australia. So, but they're also South Asian. So it was very like, you know, you're either a doctor or a lawyer or you go to business school, which I did. I studied economics and then I dropped out of secret and I lived a double life and basically kept auditioning for this music school that I was trying to get into, which is the conservatory in Australia. And I was secretly working as bartender because I'm a Pisces and I have a really bad poker face. I don't actually know how I got away with it for so long, but I did. And so when I finally get into this music school, because I like to deliver bad news with good news, that's like my strategy. So I was like, by the way, I got into the con. I'm so excited. Like, this is what I'm going to do next year. Also, I dropped out of uni. Surprise! Wow. Yeah. I mean, my jaws dropped right now because I don't know how you had the courage to do that, to drop out. And then you had a passion for music, clearly, because you wanted to go to the conservatory. How did you get into bartending? Well, okay, so I was kind of floating around and there really wasn't much for me to do at the time because, so you graduate in Australia when you're 17, right? right? You can barely drive. Our legal age is 18. I actually think I started bartending before I even turned of age. And then when I finally like had my 18th birthday, because this was like pre-Instagram, like 30 Facebook days, right? And like the venue manager was like, you just had your 18th birthday. He's like, what? And I like see him doing the math. I'm like, surprise. Yeah. But I'm lethal now. I can work here. And yeah, I mean, thank God. I feel like I got into the school because I really had no other option. And I think that like, do I think it's necessary to go to school for music? No. Do I think that it got me to where I was because I studied that. Not really. But I do think it helped with my winning my mom over because it was like, you know, I'm still going to uni, like I'm going to get a degree. And I think in her mind, she was like, okay, great. She'll teach. Right. Right. I love that though, because you're right. You know, when we come from these cultures, which are patriarchal at the end of the day, to this day, I think sometimes they don't need to know everything. You know, it's not like you were doing anything bad. You basically switched your major from econ Mm -hmm. to music. Not a big deal in the regular world, but in our little world, you know, with our families in the South Mm -hmm. Asian community, it's a big deal. And I think that takes a lot of courage to do that. So now you're in the conservatory and Mm -hmm. you're bartending. What's happening? Are you dating? You know, do you have a timeline? Like, what was your aspiration at that point? Okay, you love music. You're in Mm -hmm. music school. But what were you doing? Like, what was your long-term plan? And were you dating in university? Were your parents strict about that as well? Well, I moved out young. You were like, bye, boo. 
yeah, I was like, see you later. And I knew because the way I wanted to live my life, I was like, I just don't want to be restricted. But I was also super respectful where I always knew to like respect the roof I, I was under. So I knew at some point that if I didn't want to like follow those certain rules, I had to just leave. So I did. And I think that's so important for everyone out there listening. You know, there's a lot of people from all backgrounds and cultures who feel like they're trapped because they're stuck at home and they can't do anything. Look at DJ Amrit. She went out and got a job and moved. Yeah, I moved. And also, I think that was so important because it allowed my mom, my sister and I to actually have a really like develop our own relationship outside of like being under this like one house and disagreeing. And in the long run was for the best because eventually like at the end of the day, I think your parents and your family just want to see you happy and want you to make it on your own. Right. So I think when you get there, which you eventually will, all those rules that like come under, like you have to do this and this is the path. It's like, it's only really because they want your success and happiness. So you get to where they want you to be. Like all that stuff just goes out the window, right? Definitely. And you were basically bartending so that you could live on your own so that you could go to music school. <laughs> I know. It's and so I'm like offside. I'm I'm living like next to campus. It wasn't a big school. There were like 20-ish people in each year. So it was like you go every day, you see everyone. It's like it's like a family. You love right. everyone and you hate everyone. I'm dating a guy who is a drummer. We live together. My mom was actually surprisingly cool with it because she okay. liked him. But I knew like deep down that that wasn't my like life, right? Like yeah. I grew up in Perth where like all the girls I went to high school with are still friends with one another and they all married their high school sweethearts. Like, And, and I say this in the most loving way because my sister's relationship with her husband is the one example of love this I've always looked up to. Right. But my sister, like she married her high school boyfriend who was her first kiss. Right. At 14. Yeah, that's many, you know, women from these patriarchal cultures because you're not given the opportunity to date and be out there or, you know, you're stuck at home living under the rules of someone else because not everyone has you know, the strength or the courage or the mind, you know, because you've been told you can't. And after a while, you're obedient and you don't. But that's not true. No. And it's funny, too, because we didn't really have like the TikTok or the Instagram no. where it's like when I see what everybody has now and this makes me sound so much older than I am. I'm like, wow, like there is such a sense of community that you can find outside of yes. your immediate circle of family, which I don't think we really had the luxury of connecting with in the same way. And I think that's also largely like why I'm very transparent with like I post on social media. Yes. I facilitate dialogue that a lot of people consider to be private or should be shared offline because I don't really have the version of life that I was looking for anywhere. You know, I grew up and everyone was blonde haired, blue eyed, the TV show that was on every night was Neighbors. And I watched and Neighbors. I used to love <laughs> Neighbors. You did? I did because I grew up in Jakarta and my grandparents oh, right. lived in Dubai. So I spent my summers in Dubai. And my uncle, my mom's one sibling brother, lives in London. So I'd watch Neighbors too. Uh, it's you a great show. London. Great show, by mm -hmm. the way. 
But yeah, I was the only Indian in my school. So I completely right. understand that because you don't know any better when, you know, you're the only one. And also crazy that so many people now say like, wow, um, I have so much respect for you and what you do because I like similarly to you want to go into this space and I don't have someone who looks like me in this space. And I just think like, man, like it's wild that I still hear that that sentiment is still echoed like 20 plus years later. Despite the communities that we do have, many people still feel alone. 100%. And so I think that was always like the driving force for like why I was like, I need to make it out of here. I need to make it out of here. And in hindsight, like I probably wasn't the easiest person or best person to be around at the time because I so badly wanted to leave. Yes. Like I had like one foot out the door from the like the moment I possibly could. Like I graduated, I left, I traveled, I like sold everything abruptly. I don't even think I like said goodbyes, really. I just bounced. I feel like you had the drive. I don't think that's you, you know, being a difficult person or anything. I just think you had your eye on the prize and you knew what you wanted and you went for it. Now you're in uni studying music you're with this guy you're kind of you know he's not the one then what happens like how do we get to America so we come on a trip to America first and I'm like this is where I need to be and I went kind of all over the place Vegas San Francisco LA New York Miami and when I get to New York I'm like okay I need to be here I need to live here like I'm just gonna do it and it's funny that when you're younger you have nothing to lose nothing now I moved from LA to New York and I found that move so much harder than it was moving from the other side of the world to New York because I lit I had nothing to lose yeah I was like okay well like if it doesn't work out I'll just go home or I'll figure it out whereas like you know fast forward 10 years later or whatever I'm like, oh, I can't, like, I know the door guy here. I can get a reservation here. Yes. Like, I'm just so used to my comfortable life. But I honestly, there was nothing in Perth that was keeping me there. So I came over. I didn't have a visa. I was leaving the country every three months. I was honestly, like, just doing everything you shouldn't be doing, working under the table, like, waitressing at poker You, you did like, whatever just, you had to do to survive. Exactly. Like, I learned to DJ right before I left home. Okay. It was like the cultural currency that was like recognized everywhere, right? Like people speak different languages, music is universal. And it was the easiest way to connect with people. And so I would just like beg for opportunities. I would go to bars. I would go see DJs I like by myself, make friends with people there. And I slowly started to build community while working at an ad agency as an assistant to the CEO. So I finally like, sort out the visa thing, get my visa a couple years in, convince this company to sponsor me and start assisting the CEO at an ad agency. And he like kind of picked up to the fact that I probably wasn't the best assistant. <laughs> like he used to be like, you're a terrible assistant, but I want to keep you in the company. Right. And eventually he ended up giving me a role where I oversaw all the brand and talent relationships at the company, which was cool because I then like, became on the other side of the space that I had originally wanted to be in. But I learned everything there was to learn. I was there for almost six years. And at the end, I was like running that department. So it was like, 
I knew all the brands. I knew the agencies. I knew what people were charging. You know the marketing. Yeah, I knew the like the backside of things. So eventually as like DJing started to take off, because at this point I'd been doing it for, you know, like five, six years and like meeting the right people and, you know, like saying to them like, oh, I DJ too. You want to DJ our event? Yeah, sure. It was like, it got to a point where I could leave and switch over. But I don't think I would have ever got there had I not taken that like desk job, which I think surprises a lot of people because that's what I really think got me in the door. Yes, because you made all those contacts and, you know, you knew the industry, the ins and out of the industry. And then I guess you started getting gigs. I did. And honestly, it was very surreal for me because I wouldn't say that like we didn't get everything I wanted growing up, but it was like a frugal household, right? So it was I like, understand. you need sneakers, pay less. Like, I'm not buying nice sneakers. Like, Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a lot of families. For example, my family, I've said it on the podcast. We actually had money, but we didn't spend it. So I always felt like I was poor growing up, but I wasn't. Same. <laughs> I also think because for my family in particular, it's a scarcity mindset because my parents are self-made and They were the first of that generation to kind of come to this like comfortableness with money that they were like, okay, we just have to hold on to everything. Right. And they're coming from a foreign country in Australia, just like my parents came to America. You know, Mm -hmm. they didn't have any family, but I don't have that. We have an abundance mentality. For real. I will say it's great to have an abundance mentality with the work ethic that's like never going to leave my mind. Like I have so much guilt especially like working for myself if I take like a day off I'm like okay like that's it back to it like I'm just going to go and that's definitely my mom's voice in my head 24 7. We have that ingrained in us and I'm trying to speak to my inner child about the scarcity mindset every day or we feel like we don't deserve something but back to this agency so when did you leave and go DJing full-time? So I leave, I believe, in like 2014 or 15. How old are you? 26. Okay, baby. 27. 27. Yeah. I mean, I was still figuring it out. And, you know, I finally felt like I knew the version of New York I wanted to be in. I was like almost living on someone else's expense, right? Like I go from being completely broke with no health insurance, no visa, leaving, sneaking out of the country to... I'm at these nice dinners, expensing on the company credit card. Like that wasn't really my life because like I didn't own those things. Like it wasn't my money. But I get to this point where I understand the version of New York I want to be in. And it's this like similar mentality of like, I'll do anything to be in that space. Yeah, it's like the hustle. You wanted that life. And I understand you. I left, you know, the comfort of my home to go to New York to be in the fashion industry, which has no South Asian people on the design end. Every factory is Indian, but no one is actually on the design side. And, you know, you see the things, you know, in those industries, in the entertainment industry, in the digital ad agency industry, in fashion, you're surrounded by champagne and caviar and all of it. And then, you know, I think for some people, it's motivating. It motivated me. 100%. Like, I also think, having to deal with the archaic and very regressive points of view in the fashion industry, entertainment industry also made me 
want to kind of like do things on my own a little bit because while I had this really great job and while I, you know, was in a, like a small position of power where I could hire the friends I thought deserved opportunities and I could right. put people in campaigns or give them jobs or opportunities they would typically get overlooked for. It was frustrating because everything I did and said, even at like the level of a director where I didn't report to anyone above was challenged. Oh, but like we already have like one person of color in the campaign. Yeah. We already have like, you know, it was, everything was so superficial and I was the only person of color in leadership for a very long period of time at the company. So it was like that responsibility was exhausting for me because I was like, I don't want to teach you guys why you can't say that or why that's not okay or why we should do things this way. Like I felt like every single step needed to be justified. And so even at that position, I never felt like I had the freedom to do things the way I wanted to do. So when I left, I was like, okay, like now I get to be the talent. It gets to be on my terms. Like if I book a campaign, like I'm booking the entire team. And if we're promoting diversity, inclusivity as like the messaging of this like campaign that I'm featured as talent, like that will be reflected behind the scenes with my team. Like it's not a superficial thing. And I think that having like both the experience and both sides like opened my eyes up a little bit in that way and inspired me. Yeah, I definitely feel like we have a similar trajectory where, you know, everything had to be an explanation, you know, and they would keep doing the same thing over and over that also wasn't working. So, you know, I was, you know, just suggesting something different. And even recently, I spoke with someone from a very big magazine, like huge magazine. And they wanted to pitch me for an article and all that stuff. And then at the end, you know, their boss told them I wasn't right for their brand, you know, and you hear that all the time as, you know, people of color, women of color. And after a while, like you're just fed up. And so I guess you moved on and started to do your own thing. And it's so frustrating because as much as you don't want to be a part of something, you need somebody there to open a door. Absolutely. Like that's just how it works. And I think it's probably why we both now are opening so many doors for other people in the same way I invited you to be on the show and you invited yes. me to be on your show. It was like, we needed to create the space. You needed to pitch your show. Like we needed to actually create these opportunities so we could feel like we belonged and we were yes. doing it on our terms. And how did you blow up? You know, because me, all of it kind of happened because the show aired and, you know, I wouldn't even consider myself a celebrity, but, you know, I'm out there, you know, I have a platform of some sort. How did you blow up? Like, how do we know about you? I I Google you and you are everywhere. (laughs) I like to say it was luck, but I think luck gets you so far. Like luck can open the door, but your work ethic and like what you can do and your ability keeps you there. And who you know. It's a lot of who you Um, know. It's who you know, but who you know can only get you so far. Because like who you know can get you the meeting, but if you can't nail that meeting or if you can't nail the job, that's going to disappear in five seconds. And it was such a slow burn. Like it also wasn't the time of like the DJ era we're in now where people are like, oh, just be a DJ because I have this platform. It was like, no one cared what DJs were doing when I was DJing. Right. No one cared about our skincare routine. Like no one cared what we looked like. Like we were in the back. Yeah. And that was like the thing I loved about it. So I focused on just like really learning my craft, really like understanding, you know, the type of DJ I wanted to be, the type of records I wanted to play, like 
how I wanted to make people feel. And I think a lot of that translated. And also, I think I'm just a very candid person when it comes to sharing my life. Yes. I was lucky in the sense that people were interested. And like, while I never set out to be like an influencer, I hate that word. I just gained incidental influence that came along with like people being interested in what I was doing. Yeah. And I think it's also like luck in a way. Cause like, I've never had a publicist that every opportunity has been organic. Yeah. So I, I'm really thankful and it continues to grow in new ways that I never expect it to like hosting the dating show or it's like I surprise myself yes. sometimes. And I don't know. I- it seems like you are a very hard worker and you make things happen for yourself. But now the DJ part of it, like where can we see you? Where can we hear you? Let us know. Cause I love, you know, your music. Thank you. Well, I updated a playlist called Iconic and Amazing. The songs I'm listening to on my Spotify all the time. I regularly update it. I'm always DJing LA, New York, Miami, all over the world. It's tricky sometimes because a lot of the events I'm at are private events. So like I'm doing an HBO screening next week. I'm doing an award show this week. So it's like now that the world is finally opening up, yeah. we didn't have this you know, opportunity for the last three years, I'm trying to create more public events that I can be present at so people can support me. I'll be in New Orleans for Buku Festival. Yeah, I would love to see you at like Zook or XS at the win, you know, just like the other big DJs in Vegas. I would love that for you. That's what we need. Manifest that. Yeah, I look at the roster, you know, and the event calendar Mm -hmm. for all the big clubs and it's always, you know, some guy. It's such a dude industry. And I mean, even now, it's like I'll show up somewhere and people will assume I'm somebody's girlfriend. And like, <sighs> I wonder if like you ever get out of that stage or past that because I think like, man, I've been doing this for like over a decade. And yes. like, does it ever change? I don't know. Well, even like right now, International Women's Day is on March 8th. So every brand is reaching out to me like, we'd love to cover you as a female DJ. I'm like, I'm just a DJ actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, right. this is, if this is the only week of the year that you're interested in chatting to me, then like, I don't need this opportunity. Yep. So it's a constant uphill battle, but I'm, I'm inspired by the challenge. So it's yes. fine. I'm happy to be here and keep pushing at it. But I think something I always suggest when people ask me, like, how did you get there? Like, what advice do you have is like, it still comes back to what I said earlier. It's like so many things can come your way by opportunity, by luck, by surprising connection, by someone introducing you. But the only thing that will keep you there is your ability and your work ethic. So if there's something that you're interested in, look at it from inside out. You don't need to go to school necessarily for that thing, especially not now. Like I'm learning so much on TikTok. My mind is blowing. Like I'm like diagnosing like plant viruses in my garden that are in my garden. (laughs) I'm like 15 year olds in like Minnesota. Oh my God. There are so many ways to learn. And as long as you're always learning and always open to the fact that you may not know everything, there's always a way that you can like grow into doing something better. I personally feel like that's like the, best advice I could give. Love that. And you are with someone. You met someone special and he's I not Indian. Who I met on a dating app. Which one? Raya, which I do not recommend <laughs> it. Let me go on the record to say that I had a friend who was a part of the launch. I got on it when it was in beta. Okay. So I had been on that dating app, I would say 
for however long it's been around. So success-wise, I think it was lucky that I met my partner because neither of us are dating app people. Me we had never really been, like I was on it, but I wasn't really on it until the pandemic. Right. And we had mutual friends. We worked in the same world. We had just never encountered one another in real life. So it was destiny. And, I mean, it really wasn't. The, the irony of all of it was we both lived in the same neighborhood in New York for, you know, the entire time I was there and we didn't meet until I left and moved to LA. And I came back for a, a fashion week in September last year and we finally like met in person. And we were both like, isn't it funny? Like we were in all the same rooms. We knew all the same people, but we needed a dating app to connect. Yeah. Well, I love um, that. I love that story for you. Yeah. And it really opened my mind. I know you had like a similar experience yes. too, where you were like, I don't need an app. And then you have like a life-changing experience where you're in a lockdown. <laughs> yeah, we're in a lockdown and you're like, okay, shit, what have I got to lose? Like nothing. But I was never one of those people who believed in love at first sight. Like I thought it was a very corny movie-like concept that just didn't exist. And then when I met my partner, I knew immediately the second I met him that he was my person. I love that. I can't explain it. It's just... You just yeah. knew. I just knew. Yeah. And it was like everything I did before just ceased to exist. Wow. That's, that's powerful. It's so lovely to hear. And thank you so much for, you know, joining us and sharing your story and motivating so many other women that might be listening that want to DJ or learn music. You know, you can, you can do it. And where can we find you on social? Great question. I'm at I-T-S-A-M-R-I-T. But it's funny because everybody thinks that my name is Samrit. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, it's I-T-S. Amrit. And then uh, I uh, believe I'm the same on Twitter. But I'm, I'm really an Instagram girl. TikTok, it's Amrit69. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. That's like my burner. But no, um, I'm on all the social channels. Um, my Spotify, all episodes to unhinged everything's linked on my instagram so that's probably the best way to get in contact with me slash support me but yeah thank you so much for having me thank you so much for being here and it was lovely talking to you bye amrit bye guys bye thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week if you like the show remember to rate review and subscribe you can also find me on instagram at anish ramakrishna i would love to hear from you Join me next week for more chat.
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai.